Well, we're continuing our series on uh, spiritual discipline, and this is a series uh, called Rooted. And so for about 12 weeks, the first quarter of this year, we want to spend some time just talking about spiritual disciplines in our lives that we need to cultivate, right, in order to develop a good spiritual foundation going into this new year. And so our goal with this uh, series is to help you cultivate this good spiritual foundation so that whatever you commit to this year, whatever goal, whatever your resolution may be for this year, whether it's to go back to school and get that degree or whether it's to uh, buy your first home or whether it's to start your own business or whether it's to be physically fit, like getting those tone abs, which is my goal for this year, right? I got two right here and then just one that doesn't want to split in fours. And so whatever goal that you have this year, right, we want you to be rooted in Jesus, right? We want you to be rooted in Jesus. And so that one, you don't lose sight of Jesus. You don't lose sight of Jesus. You don't lose sight of him being the source of your strength, your source of wisdom, and your source of guidance. And then you don't lose sight of your why. Why are you pursuing those goals? Why am I pursuing those six-pack abs? It's not for the glory of spring break or the summer. Whatever your goal is, it should be for the glory of God, right? And so you don't lose sight of Jesus and you don't lose sight of your why. And so whatever you are doing, be rooted in Jesus And so in order for us to not lose sight of Jesus and not to lose sight of our purpose, we want to develop these spiritual disciplines in our life to help us to stay locked in, to stay rooted. Listen, in the Bible, 1 Timothy 4, 8, Paul says, I want you to know, right, physical training is good. Essentially what he is saying is that going to the gym is good or whatever your discipline, which you are trying to achieve, right? Those things are good. And so whatever your resolution or your goal is for this year, I want you to know they're good. Don't think of them as, man, it's too worldly for this, for me to pursue this. There's some good in those things, Paul is saying. Physical training, he says, they're good. But then he goes on, he says, training for godliness is much better. Training for godliness is much better. And he's talking about taking time the same way you take time to train to be physically fit. He is saying it's much better to take time to be spiritually fit. He's saying this is much better. Why? And he goes on, he says, because it has longer lasting and eternal implication. It's much better because it guarantees us a benefit now and a benefit in the life to come. It lasts longer than those abs, right? So training for godliness, as much as you are pursuing these things, these resolutions, Paul is saying also take time to physically train, but then spiritually be fit. And this is what these spiritual disciplines are all about. 
So if you want to grow in your relationship with God and be stronger in your faith, you have to discipline yourself. You have to discipline yourself and you have to put in the work. Now, for those of you who are theologically minded like I am, the phrase putting in the work might rub you the wrong way because it might sound like legalism, right? Putting in the work. But the same way that we don't coast into having a physically fit or healthier body, you don't coast into the spiritual discipline to be spiritually fit. You have to put in the work, right? And it's not legalism. It involves work and it involves cooperating with God through these discipline, right? Now, here's the thing. Everything that we have in God, they're free. And this is what grace is. We don't have to work to earn it. But the vehicle to access those benefits in God are freely given. However, his presence, his power, his strength, his wisdom, the spiritual discipline are the vehicle to access those benefits, right? And then the great thing about it is that once we get into this vehicle called spiritual discipline, he gives us the strength. He fuels it with the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't leave us empty. He gives us the strength to practice those disciplines in our lives. He fuels it. He doesn't leave us on empty. Unlike last week, I was heading to church. I got in my car, and then I started getting halfway to church, and my car started slowing down. And I'm like, hey, hmm, what's going on? And I look down, and I see that my gas mileage is on zero. Now, here's the thing. My wife and I, we have three kids in the house, and all three are under the age of 10. And one actually is celebrating his birthday today. Now, by process of elimination, it wasn't them. And it wasn't me. Right? So it just leaves one more person, and I'm not going to point her out. Right? So, listen. Unlike that, God doesn't leave this vehicle on empty. He, <laughs> she just gave me the eye right now. So, God fuels this vehicle. Isn't that awesome? Like, God gives us the Holy Spirit as the power to fuel this vehicle. He doesn't leave it on empty. And so we just have to cooperate with him by putting ourselves into this vehicle, putting in the work, getting in this vehicle, and allowing the Lord to just drive us into those intimacies or those power and those strength, his presence, the benefit that he has that is freely offered to us. So today, the spiritual discipline that we're going to talk about is Bible intake, hearing God's word, reading God's word, and studying God's word. Now, before we get into this spiritual discipline, I just want to be honest with you and to say that I am not a master at this discipline. Like, just to be honest with you, that this discipline is very hard, and I struggle to do this well, to practice this consistently in my life every single day to do this well, right? Especially if you are a person with a full-time job, you would probably find 
It is very hard to be disciplined every single day to wake up and to spend time in God's word. Especially if you're a person who is a stay-at-home mom with kids running around. It's probably very hard for you to find time to get into God's word consistently. If you're a doctor on call, or even if you're a college student or a high school student with a very demanding semester, it's probably very hard for you to find time every single day to be in God's word. I remember when I was in college, that was the only time where I had the time to be in God's word consistently. One, because I was in Bible college and I had to do that as my (laughs) curriculum to like read the Bible. Um, But then two, I had the time, right? I just met a couple who went to the college that I went to way back then, uh, Baptist College of Florida. And there used to be a lake called Lake Lanier and a tree there. And I used to come and just every morning, six o'clock in the morning, be under that tree and just read the Bible for about two o'clock or two hours, right? About an hour or two, just read the Bible. And I did that consistently, right? But then I got married, right? Then I had kids and now three kids, And now in order for me to find time to practice this discipline consistently in my life, I have to wake up four o'clock in the morning before the kids are up, right? Because once they're up, they're running around and I have to get breakfast. My wife and I have to get breakfast ready for them and get them ready, take a shower, scream, and just, I mean, it's just crazy once they wake up. And so I have to wake up four o'clock in the morning. But then in order for me to wake up, to be able to wake up four o'clock in the morning, I have to go to sleep a little earlier. I have to go to sleep by nine o'clock, right? But then when I go to sleep at nine o'clock, I miss out on all of my shows. (laughs) I miss out on Monday night football. I miss out on like Tuesday basketball. I miss out on the Abbott Elementary. I miss out Married at First Sight. Right? There's a lot of shows I miss out on. And not just that, but then I can't hang out late with people. Or if I invite people to come to the house, like we have to kind of hurry up, kick them out quick so that we can go to sleep by nine o'clock. So it's very challenging. And I'm sure you know, if you want to wake up early in the morning consistently and spend time with the Lord, you have to sacrifice a lot. And so it's very challenging. This discipline of reading and studying the Bible every day is challenging, but it's the most crucial discipline that we need to maintain in our lives. Right? It's the most crucial discipline. Look how the Word of God is described in the Bible. One, it's described like milk. Milk. As newborn babes need milk every day to grow we need God's word every single day. First Peter chapter two, right? Babes need milk. The Bible is described like meat or solid food in Hebrews chapter five for nutrition and strength. And so we need food every single day to survive and we don't skip out on food. The Bible is described, the word of God is described like meat or solid food. God's word is also described like water. We need water to survive, not just to quench our thirst, but to also cleanse us. 
We drink water and we take showers every single day. And the reason why we do that is to cleanse impurities so that we won't be sick. And so this is how the word of God is described, like milk, like meat, like water. But then the word of God is described like breath. God's word is God's very breath given to us the same way we need air to breathe. We don't skip that. We need air. We need breath. We need God's word, 2 Timothy. Right? So as challenging as it may be to practice this discipline consistently, the same way you don't skip out on milk for babies or food for strength or water or breath, it's crucial that we don't neglect the intake of God's word. So in the text that we just read, I want you to see how the psalmist talks about God's word. And uh, we're not too sure, but a lot has a lot people have argued that the author of this text is David. But some have said that this author is Ezra or Daniel. But we do believe that this was David. But he wrote this text and we see the great love that he has for God's word. And the great love for God's word starts from having a great view of God. Great love for God's word starts from having a great view of God. So it's so encouraging hearing from the psalmist how much he loves God's word. In verse 97, he says, and it wasn't in this translation, but other translation, the psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. All day long, I meditate on it. And I want you to memorize that verse. It's a short verse. Psalms 119, verse 97. And just say that every single day when you wake up. Oh, how I love your law. All day long, I meditate on it. Oh, how you wake up in the morning. Oh, how I love your law. All day long, I meditate on it. Right? So this psalmist says, oh, how I love your law your law. You know something is good when you put that phrase, oh, in front of it, right? Like, oh, snap, did you watch that game last night, right? Oh, snap, have you had Haitian food? It's amazing. Oh, snap, babe, you look beautiful right now in that dress, right? I'm trying to get brownie points. Um, <laughs> but you know something is really, really good when you put that Oh, expression in front of it. And so you see how this psalmist is describing his love for God's word. Oh, how I love your law. All day long, I meditate on it. It's an intense excitement and it's an intense joy, delight for God's word. And I pray that you would have that same intense joy, intensity and joy and delight in God's word this year. But how do we get there? How do we develop this intense excitement, joy, and delight for God's word? And I think it starts with developing a higher view of God. We need to see God rightly. 
God's word is his self-revelation to us. It's the way that God makes himself known, and we get to see him express all of his amazing attribute on these pages in human speech. We get to see him express his holiness, his power, his goodness through these words. And the psalmist loved God's word because in God's word is a revelation of God's goodness, right? If we take the time to read God's word, you too will see that God is good. Look, God shows in his word that he is so good that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. God shows in his word that he is so good, though we deserve death for our sins, he gave us life. God shows in his word that he is so good that even when we weren't looking for him, he came and pursued us. We see the goodness of God in his word. And we see that even the law, the law of God, the psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. Out of all the things, when you think about it, the law, which sometimes to us may seem so burdensome or so oppressive, or these are the things that God is keeping from us from having fun, but the psalmist says, I love the law. Why does he love the law? Because the law of God reveals the heart of God. The heart of God is for your best. God wants the best for you. And the best for you is revealed in his law. It's revealed in his word. If you want to live your best life now, you're not going to find that in a book. If you want the best principles to having a better marriage, you're not going to find that in a book. Or if you're single and you want to figure out how to have a more fulfilled single life, you're not going to find that in a book either. The psalmist says, the word of God gives us, in verse 98, more wisdom. More wisdom. It gives us better knowledge to make right choices. In verse 99, he says that the word of God gives more insight. It gives us a better understanding of things. Verse 100, he says, the word of God gives us more discernment. It gives us a better view of things. And then we go in verse 102, he says, the word of God gives us more instruction or better advice. It offers us better guidance. And then 103, he says, the word of God is more delightful. It's good. It tastes sweeter than honey. It agrees with my spiritual palate. And this is the same psalmist, again, David, in Psalms 34, 8. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him and who trusts in his word. He says, taste and see that he is good. But how can we see that God's word is good? How can we see that God's word is sweet? How can we see that God's word is much better than anything else? We need to ask him to transform our palates, our spiritual 
palates, our spiritual taste buds, so that we can enjoy him rightly. See, the problem is we're so accustomed to enjoying low-quality goodness, right? Low-quality goodness. And we need to ask God to transform our taste buds so we can see true goodness, right? Have you ever had a McRib from McDonald's? And then you had ribs from like Fat Matt's or Shane Rib Shack, right? Those two are two different things. And if you dare to say that they are, then something's wrong with you, right? Here's the thing. If you enjoy that more than you enjoy something from a legit restaurant, then you are too accustomed to low quality goodness. And so this is the same thing. We enjoy low quality goodness than God's word. We enjoy Netflix. We enjoy going out with our friends. We enjoy all these other things. Those are low quality goodness that we have become so accustomed to. But when we get to the word of God, it's not good. So we need to ask God to transform our spiritual palates because we're so accustomed to slow quality goodness. You're missing out on what's really good. And we need to have a high view of true goodness, which is God. But here's the thing. God's word is not only just a book of instruction. It's not just a book to show us how to have a better life. It's not just a guidebook. And if the Bible is all that it is, a guidebook or a book of instruction, then we are reducing it to a low quality goodness. It's not just a book of instruction. The Bible is infinitely more than a guidebook. The Bible is the place where God meets us, right? It's where we read the story of God and his people. It's the place where Jesus Christ is revealed as our savior. It's the place where we meet the Holy Spirit as our comforter. It's the place where we receive power for salvation. The Bible is more than just a guidebook. The Bible is where God comes alive and we come alive. The Bible is more than a guidebook. The Bible doesn't have direct answers for a lot of the questions that we might ask today. Could I smoke weed or could I not smoke weed? Right? Could I live with my boyfriend? Could I have sex with someone who I'm engaged to? There's a lot that the Bible may not answer. Should I vote red? Should I vote blue? The Bible doesn't answer a lot of the questions that we may ask, and that's why it's not a guidebook. However, in the Bible, when we encounter the God in the Bible, God gives us wisdom to make better decisions. When we encounter Jesus in the Bible, he gives us a new heart. When we encounter the Holy Spirit, he gives us the power to fight our flesh. When we have wisdom and a changed heart and we have this encounter with God in the Bible, we make better decisions. And so the Bible is infinitely more, infinitely better than a guidebook. And this is why the psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. 
When we take in the Bible, we are encountering God, the God in heaven come to these pages to meet us and we meet him face to face in these pages and we are changed. The Bible is more than a guidebook. It's better. That is what the Bible is. Now, we talked about what the Bible is. Now let's talk about how we take in the Bible. How do we discipline ourselves to read, study, and listen to the Bible? First of all, Bible intake is more than just reading the Bible. It's also hearing and studying the Bible. And that takes time. That takes time. God's word is not meant to be a fast food like place that you quickly run and get something packaged, right? It takes time to discipline ourselves in studying and reading and hearing God's word. So don't rush it because there's no spiritual discipline that is more important than the intake of God's word. It's crucial for the life of a Christian if your desire is to be a healthy Christian. So don't rush it. You cannot be a healthy Christian if you don't have a healthy diet of Bible intake. And so we need to prioritize time to study, read, and um, hear God's word. So here are some discipline principles for Bible intake. So I think the first thing that we need to do is to prioritize time. Prioritize time to read the word. The same way that you prioritize time to have breakfast in the morning, to have lunch in the afternoon, to have dinner, the same way that you prioritize time to groom yourself in the morning or to put makeup in the morning, right? Prioritize time. Those things are important and essential, but we should prioritize time to read the Bible because that is more essential. And so one of the reasons why we don't read the Bible is because we don't do that. We don't prioritize time. And I think I shared this with you guys in the past before. When I first met my wife, my wife said something to me. She said, listen, at this time, don't call me. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Right? Because she's like, at this time, this is when I am spending time with the Lord. I don't want any interruptions. I was like, man, that's kind of crazy. But OK, I like you even better for that. Right. But here's the thing. Her heart was uninterrupted time. Shut off the phone, shut off the TV, go to a quiet place to have uninterrupted time. The reason why we don't spend time in reading and studying the Bible is we don't prioritize time like that. If you ever date someone, you have a time and you have a place. The same way. If you're going to read the Bible, guard your time and your place. At this time, I'm going to wake up and no one interrupts me. And this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to go to a closet or I'm going to go somewhere quiet where I have no interruption. Set up a time, prioritize it, and keep it. Here's the thing. You know, most Christians have never read through the entire Bible in their life. But did you know that you can read through the entire Bible in 71 hours? We spend probably more than 71 hours watching TV during the week. You can actually read the Bible in about 71 hours. 
you can actually read the Bible in a year if you were to take three chapters a day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one in the evening. You can actually read throughout the entire Bible if you spend about 15 minutes a day. So we can, but we just don't prioritize it. So one, prioritize time. And not just that, but have a plan. Find a Bible reading plan. Last week, we uploaded a 21-day reading plan. Hopefully, you guys have been walking through that. If not, you still can go back. Um, but have a plan. You can go and download an app called Version, and in that app, you can find several Bible reading plans that can help you track right, your reading throughout the year. Have a plan. Read the Bible with a friend. Right? You and someone else could be reading the Bible together to hold each other accountable. And then throughout the day, you can text each other things that you were encouraged by when you read that, the Bible, the Word of God, during uh, your, your time. So have time, prioritize time, prioritize a plan, right? Have accountability. And then you can be able to find yourself disciplined, more disciplined this year to read your Bible. Two, prioritize time to read or to hear God's word. Prioritize time to hear God's word. Jesus says in Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. And then Paul says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so another way to take in the Bible this year, discipline yourself to hear God's word. We need to prioritize coming to church on Sunday to hear God's word. So it's very concerning when people say that they are a believer and they don't need to attend church. We need to prioritize to come and also hear the word of God in community in a at a local church. You can also prioritize time reading the word of God in a city group. And if you're new to the church and you're not familiar with a city group, you can go to the welcome desk in the back and we'll give you more information on what a city group is. And essentially, it's a smaller group that meets throughout the city nearest to you that you can go during the week and hear God's word with other believers. So prioritize time for that right? Or maybe it's on your way to work. You know you have about 30 minutes on your way to work or you have 30 minutes on your way back. You can prioritize time to listen to an audio Bible, to hear God's word. Or one of the things that I do when I'm going to sleep, I put on my headphones and I listen to God's word. Now, I fall asleep right away. However, before I fall asleep, I do take in some things, right? So you can even do that. Or if you're working, you're washing dishes, you're vacuuming the house, prioritize time to hear God's word. You can listen to a podcast or you can listen to a sermon. 
So every week we upload our sermons on our website so that you can go back and listen to it. So you can, on your way to work or probably as you're working, you can listen to a sermon or you can listen to a a podcast. Now, here's the thing um, about listening to podcasts. I just want to say, this is a soapbox. Sometimes we try to substitute podcasts for church. Sometimes we try to substitute podcast for attending church. Don't substitute a podcast for church. Don't substitute a podcast or an online pastor to be your pastor or to be your church. Just because you like listening to John Piper or you like to listen to David Platt or you like to listen to Michael Todd, that is not your pastor and that is not your church. And don't substitute that for your pastor or your church. You need to be in community. Listening to God's word in community. Hearing God's word is not just downloading information into our brains for our own personal benefit, but it's for the benefit of community, for us to live it out, to live out this truth that we're being transformed by in the context of a local community. So you can hear God's word by coming to church every Sunday. You can hear God's word by going to a city group during the week. You can hear God's word by listening to an audio Bible on your way to work or coming back rather than listening to music or whatever it may be. Take some time during the week, even if you dedicate two or three times during the week, this is my time to hear God's word. Now, third, prioritize time to study God's word. We need to prioritize time to read, to listen, and also to study. And so studying is different than reading, right? Reading is giving you an overview, but studying is digging deeper, right? And one of the reasons why people don't study is because it's work. It's work. We wanna just read it and walk away with an understanding of it And most of the time we walk away with an incorrect understanding of it because we didn't take the time to dig deeper and to study. It takes work. Study God's word, and how do you do that? One, grab a pen, grab a notebook, grab a journal, and take notes. As you're reading God's word, take notes. In the same way I wanna encourage you, when you come to church on Sunday, bring a pen. Bring a notebook, take notes so that you can remember what was said and then you can go back and meditate on it. I meditate on it day and night. That's how we develop a love for God's word, right? When you're dating someone, what you do is you think about them all the time. You meditate on it. Back in the day, this is how old I am, there was a a song called Casey, uh, by Casey and Jojo called Crazy. And the song was like, crazy, 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 thinking about you. I mean, if you don't know that song, that's fine. But pretty much the whole song was like, I am crazy, crazy, crazy. It drives me crazy when I think about you. And this is kind of like what the psalm is saying. It's saying, when I think about God's word, it's on my mind day and night, day and night. I love it. And this is how. Meditate on it. Study, write it down, memorize it, take notes, take notes. Now, 
I want to encourage you as you're studying, one, allocate some time, sit down and take notes. But I want to give you an acronym that would help you in your time of study, right? So this is the acronym H-E-A-R, here, here. So H stands for highlight, highlight, mark, circle, underline, highlight. The point of this right now is just doing observation. The first step to studying your Bible, taking some time just to observe. Like, what is this saying? This is me being a good investigator. When I walk into a room and I see something, I just want to observe. Right now, it's not time for me to try to make any interpretation or application. I just want to mark and observe. Highlight, underline, find some repeated words, right? Just see what's in the text and don't try to make any applications or interpretation at this time. Just observe. Be a good investigator. E, explain. And this is where you want to try to explain or interpret what you see. First you observe, then you try to explain what you see. But here's the thing that you have to be very careful about, that you want to try to explain what you see in its original context. What did it say to the people back then? Right? What was the meaning to the people back then? Who was the original author and who are the original uh, uh, recipients? Who wrote this book? Who was it originally written to? Why and where? What's the message that it's, it's intended? And just wrestle with that. How does it fit in the verse before and how does it fit in the verse after? Just wrestle with that. Try to understand it in its original context. And then you can use things like cross-references. You can use things like Bible concordances or commentaries to help you kind of understand some of the context to answer some of those questions. You can use some online resources like the Bible Hub or Precept Austin, some of those that I love to, to use, Blue Letter Bible. There's plenty of resources that you could go online that can help you find ways to understand the text in its original context, right? And then after you highlight, you want to try to understand the original text. You want to try to understand the original text, and this is where you try to apply, right? So you have highlight, observe, explain. This is where you want to interpret. And now you want to apply. Now you take what you have learned from its original context and truth and try to apply it to your context. How can something that was written 2,000 years ago be applicable to my current time and culture? And so you ask yourself questions like, how can this transform me? What does this mean for me today? What would the application of this verse look like in my life? And the beauty of application is not just to try to figure out what is God saying to me, it's to try to figure out how does this text come alive in my life and how does it encourage me to live in a way that glorify God? So how does it inspire me to follow 
God with all of my heart. And so here's the thing, and I think this is what kind of gets us discouraged as we're studying the Bible, and then we're looking for application, right? Sometimes when you read the Bible, you probably won't get an application right away. And you're like, ah, what is this saying? You know? And then you walk away like, I just read this for about an hour, and I have no clue how I'm supposed to apply this in my life. That's okay. As long as you allow the seed of God's word to be planted in your heart, in due time, God will reveal to you exactly how he wants you to apply it. You just let the word of God be planted in your heart, and God will slowly grow that word. And when you least expect it, you'll see what God was trying to say to you. So don't get discouraged. If you read something, and you're like, I have no clue what I just read. That's okay. Because you've planted it in your heart, and at some point, God will bring it to life. So don't be discouraged. And finally, respond. Respond. And this is where you want to write measurable responses to the truth that God revealed to you. Maybe it's to repent. Maybe it's a call to action to serve. Maybe it's to give. Something you will change or apply that day or that week. And just write it down so that you won't forget it. And so that you can hold on to it and then you can hold yourself accountable to it. And so use what you read also as a form of prayer for that day. And so if you are reading, for example, Psalms 119.97, the psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. Use that as your prayer. God, I want to love your law. God, I want to meditate on your law. God, I want your law to change my life. Right? On it, I meditate day and night. God, if there's things in my life that's distracting me from meditating on your law day and night, God, help me with those distractions. You can use God's word as a form of prayer. So as you read it, as you study it, write it down, but then pray that word back to God. Let it form your prayer to him. Right? So H observe, highlight, E, explain, try to interpret, A, application, and then R, respond. And so you can use this as your acronym as you're studying God's word. Now, here's the thing. Laziness is really the reason why Christians don't study the Bible enough. It's laziness. But not only laziness, I think there is a spiritual warfare that does happen to keep us from studying our Bible. That I want you to really believe that there is an enemy that's warring against you to keep you from studying God's word and being transformed by God and his word. And he fights and he war against you by placing things like distractions, that the moment that you sit down and you're like, all right, I'm going to study my Bible, and then the phones start going off and all these different things in your mind start going off, right? And so those are the times where you fight back and you pause and you pray, God, help me with these distractions, right? Maybe it's distraction. Maybe he fights with discouragement, right? He makes you think that the Bible's too hard to understand. And again, just like how we talked about 
God fuels these disciplines with the power of the Holy Spirit where he enables us to do some of those things that may seem hard. And so he will fuel you and give you the power of the Holy Spirit to know, to study the Bible and give you understanding. And so if you feel discouraged, like the Bible is too hard for me to understand, God will fuel and empower you and open your eyes to see the beauty of his words. You won't be doing that alone. The enemy fights with entertainment, right? The moment we start our discipline to study the Bible, oh, man, that game came on, or whatever it may be. Something comes up, up where we think, man, it's more fun to do this than to spend time in God's word. And this is where we change our hearts and we try to fight back. Lord, help me to see that this is more essential than even entertainment, right? I'm sure eating to you, right, is not entertainment, but you do it. The Bible sometimes may not be the most entertaining thing to do to, in, in your day, but it's the best thing to do. And it's the best thing, best decision to make for your life. And then he may fight, fight you with intimidation. You know, as you're reading the Bible, or maybe you may feel this around this room, you're like, man, you know, I don't, I don't know my Bible like these other Christians around me. I just feel like I'm so behind. I'm so behind. You may feel intimidated when you're reading the Bible. You're like, I just don't know all these words. Sanctification, what, what, what does that mean? Glorification, I don't, like you may feel behind, right? Don't let that intimidate you, whether you feel like you don't know the Bible as much. Like, just spend time with the Lord and the Lord will give you wisdom. And I love the verse that Dahadi used last week when he talked about the disciples and one of the things that people noticed with the disciples that these were unlearned, untrained men but there was something radically different about them. What was it? They've been spending time with the Lord. And those unlearned and untrained men transformed the world. So don't ever feel intimidated that, you know what, I'm unlearned, untrained, I don't have a Bible degree, right? Spending time with the Lord, the psalmist says, it makes me wiser even than all of my enemies. And God can use you to transform the world when you spend time with him. And people will see that because it will be evident in your life. The radiance of God's beauty will just reflect off of you because you have been spending time with the Lord. And so don't let the enemy win with these things. Fight laziness and fight this enemy that's warring against your time in God's word. Fight for your soul. Fight for this discipline because it's the most crucial discipline in the Christian life. Because here's the thing. One day, we will stand before Jesus. We will stand before Jesus, and the Jesus we will see will be the Jesus that John describes in John 1. The word that was in the beginning, 
the word that was with God and the word that was God, this word that became flesh and this word dwelt amongst us and we saw his glory, the only son of the father. This is the word that we have been prioritizing to get to know. When we get into heaven, we will see this word. This is the word that has been encouraging us. When we get into heaven, we will see this word. This is the word that's been, we've been allowing to get into us. When we get to heaven, we will see this word. This is the word that we've been intimately getting to know. So that when we stand before God in heaven, we will see this word that became flesh. And in our hearts, just like the psalmist will say, oh, how I love this word. How I love this word that I've been spending time getting to know. And this is the word that I've been meditating on day and night. And we will worship this word because we have been spending time getting to know this word intimately, taking him in. And when we get in front of this word that became flesh, we can praise him just like the psalmist. I love this word. Oh, how I love this word. And I pray that you would see that this word is good and that you would fall in love with this word because this word that you are falling in love with is the word of God that became flesh, Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.